Welcome to Silverline Behind the Frame, episode number 21. I am Josiah Ness, and in this episode, I had the pleasure to meet up with my close friend, Chris Crary. Chris has been in production most of his life and has done videos for some of the biggest brands like Nike, Adidas, JBL, and BMW. In this episode, we talk about his journey from when he started to where he's at now, running a very successful production studio. Welcome, everybody, to this episode. I'm super stoked because we are sitting down with one of my really, really good friends that I've known for quite a few years now um, named Chris Crary. Um, we, I don't know, it was probably, what, seven years ago now? Bad maybe? math, but yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, something like that. It's been a while. And uh, we've been able to work together uh, quite a few times um, and uh, just been an awesome dude, an awesome friend. And, and he's got a really, really cool history story and stuff that he's done. And I look up to him all the time <laughs> on how he runs business and does creative side. And that's why I'm super stoked because he does pretty much um, all the creative stuff and has business and life and wife. And so uh, give me a little give me a little background or give me give me. Um, what you do right now, as far as a little summation, then sure. we'll kind of jump into your history. So I am a co-owner in a production studio called Photon. Um, Liam, my business partner, came up with the name. It's, it means particle of light. He's a big Ooh, space nerd. So I was going to say that. Spacey, he loves it. That's, uh, that's kind of um, cool. Yeah, so we, we call ourselves Photon, and we it's very simple. We are trusted content creators for ad agencies and brands. Sweet. Um, so we are a studio. We are not an agency. Um, agencies come to us with a creative idea that they have sold to a client that then they now have to make. Nice. And so it's our job to um, make them look good. Yeah. And uh, so we love to be able to partner with agencies, and we consider it an honor um, anytime we have a project. And our goals are simple. We want to make great content. We want to be very easy to work with. We want to inspire those around us. Um, we want to make the other guy's job easier. And my my like end goal is always to anticipate what will happen next. So as a producer, my job is to anticipate your needs. So if I know that at 2 p.m. on set, you're going to want your, you know, ice vanilla latte, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to get it in your hands if I can. Yeah. So that's that's the uh that's the end goal. That's awesome. That's awesome. And obviously it's it's been cool especially over the last couple of years to see um see the progression um cuz you've been doing a lot of different stuff and hand, having your hands in a lot of different things and then now running a studio so give me so the people that don't know give me a little history of of how you got into it you know in your road because i know you've done sure. a lot of video stuff and now you've switched you know roles and stuff like that yeah. but like what was some of that earlier stuff that you did yeah so when i was a kid my dad bought this uh camcorder for those kids out there it's a it's a camera where you stick what's called a vhs tape <laughs> inside of it Yes. Um, there's not really any editing on that like if you uh -huh. shoot it and you don't like it you watch it and you're like well let's re-record over the tape Rewind um, it. <laughs> and I remember when I was a junior in high school, this was 2002-ish, to date myself, uh, Still and I was like, let's make a commercial. So we created a basketball store, and I was like, we got to shoot a commercial for it. So we had this kid, like, go to, the, go to the, the park, and, like, he's playing ball, and he, like, gets crossed over by this dude, and, like, busts his ankle, and he was like, man, these shoes suck. I need some shoes. So then he walks in the shoe store. He buys shoes from us, goes back out to the park. Ends up crossing the other dude over, dunks on him. It's like, ah, we put the hoop at eight feet. Eight feet so that's why he's <laughs> nice. uh, So I say all that because I really wanted like an awesome track on the video. Yeah. But at the time, I didn't know how to put a track in the video, right? So I just had a boombox like 30 feet in the background playing this cool track. 
that was like a little lower than what they were saying and then like you cut it off together yes um so that's kind of how i got started and it was funny because when i was 18 i was like this close and when i say this like millimeters away from like starting my own production company Hmm. and this was like the year like literally the year before everything went digital so i my dad was gonna give me 100 grand to start this business and we're gonna and it would have been the the worst idea ever (laughs) um ended up not doing that and uh decided to sort of go the college route and um actually my whole life i wanted to be a shoe designer Hmm. because my whole family's in shoe business literally i'm the the black sheep (laughs) um so I started out in graphic design and then realized, okay, I don't want to be a shoe designer because that kind of pigeonholes me. And then I went into business and um, got my business degree. And then when I was a junior in college, I got an internship at a, um, I guess you call it an agency called Flying Rhino. And we did a lot of kids media. And so I sort of got hired as like an intern, basically sort of do anything. And they had like a video guy at the time. And this is a fun story. Uh, so they had a video guy at the time and I was like, hey, I really love video. Can I just come on set for free you don't have to pay me and i just want to like help out so i go on set to help out and then i uh i asked him to give me a, f- a hard drive with all the footage from the shoot and then give me his final video so he gave me his final video it was like an interview spot or something nothing fancy yeah so i would just listen around the office and everyone complained about how dark his footage was because he huh. really wanted to be doing like high-end movies and like not kid stuff because kid stuff is super bright and you know cheery and all that so I just, you know, again, I'm just, my ears are perked. I'm just a fly on the wall. So I was like, okay, so I had just learned how to start doing color correction. So then I took the exact same thing that he did. I got the raw and I color corrected it, which I thought was more appropriate for a kid's video. Right. So then I did a split screen of his video versus my video, the same, same cut, but different color. Took it to my boss, who was a CEO at the time. I said, hey, I want to show you something. So I said, watch this. He said, okay. So I said, see those two videos? Just watch him. So he watched the video. I said, which one do you like better? He goes, the one on the right. I go, that one's mine. I said, I'll work for half of what you're paying him, and I want you to get rid of him and then hire me as the new producer. And essentially, that's what they did. Um, Now, he was a contractor at the time, so he wasn't, like, full-time staff, and I was. But, like, because I just basically – I said, pay me the same amount you're doing me to be an intern to do all this video work. Right. Uh, They were like, sure. Like, that sounds like a deal, you know? (laughs) Um, And I think I was 20 – two at the time or something um so i was just so i i got the job there as the live action producer because we did a lot of animation stuff so that's why they called me the live action producer because we had another producer who did all the animation um and long story short i worked there for a long time but i also did all of my own production on just tons of side projects outside of that they they said you can do as many side projects as you want as long as you get all your work done right so usually what i would do is i would work there nine to five I would go to dinner from like five to six. I would come back and I'd work like six to midnight, six to two in the morning. And I didn't do that five days a week. I did it anywhere from three to five days a week, yeah. sometimes six because the you know projects kind of come and flow. Uh-huh. Um, but I learned so much in, I wouldn't say it's a short amount of time because I did it for almost 10 years, but like I learned so much more than I think the average person could because I was working extra hours. You know, Elon Musk yeah. says, if you work 100 hours a week and somebody else works 40 hours a week, you can get done in four in three months what they get done in a year, right? And there's there's some there's some truth to that. Now that's not sustainable long term, I don't think. Right. But I was young and I didn't yeah. care. I was like, I had no girlfriend. I was like, I want to learn as much as I can, and I want to make a lot of money. I want to just save, save, save. 
So I basically lived off of my income that I made from Rhino, which was like pennies on the dollar. I made right. 13 bucks an hour for 10 years. Never got a raise. In Portland. Yeah. <laughs> Never got a raise. <laughs> and then I just saved everything that I could from my side business. Um, and yeah, I did that for forever. I mean, like literally almost 10 years, which, yeah. you know, in the millennial world is like a hundred years to right. that. <laughs> um, and so about the last nine months that I was at Rhino, I, I met my business partner, Liam, and we started, uh, we just met through a friend and it was like, it was weird. It was like, it was almost like a blind date. Like our, my friend Eric was like, Oh, you need to meet Liam. Like, he's really cool. And like, you guys do similar things and da 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 da. And I was like, okay. Like I'm always down to meet new people, especially yeah. if a friend recommends them. So I like met him at a coffee shop and I don't know. I don't even know to this day what he had heard about me right. before we had met. Um, but I just remember like he was pretty excited and he didn't like his producer at the time that he was working with. I, I don't say that they were just, they were, they were parting ways. It wasn't right. like they were mad or anything. He was just like, I think he wants to do something else and da da da. So, um, so I was like, yeah, cool. Like, he's like, do you, like we talked for a while and he's like, do you want to like do some projects together? And I was like, sure. I'm always looking to do side projects. So we did a project together. It was a pretty big one. Um, and we finished that went super well. And I just really liked him as a person. I actually hadn't even seen any of his work to yeah. be honest. Um, probably I, I should have but whatever <laughs> and so then we came together again for like a pre-production meeting and he sort of threw out the idea of he's like hey do you want to start a studio together and I was like well I'm at Flying Rhino I really like my boss and yeah. like I've been there for nine and a half years and I don't know I don't I don't know what else I would do and that seems scary and whatever and, and at this time people have been yelling at me to start my own business literally for probably 10 years like right. you know like you it's like yeah. you have your own business it's like but I, 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 there was like a weird thing in my heart and my spirit that I knew I wasn't good enough to do it by myself, hmm. especially creatively. Because people think that because I work in the creative world, I'm really creative. And I don't think I'm, I'm actually not that creative personally. Um, and so I think that's why I always stem towards the role of producer versus like a DP or a director. Right. And, and I've directed a lot of things too. So I think yeah. when I'm super comfortable with something, I really like it. Um, but I just knew I, I didn't want to do it my own. I, I wasn't, I didn't have the bandwidth for it. I wasn't talented enough cause I wanted to be doing high level stuff. And so I sort of like turned Liam down. I was like, let's just keep working on side projects together. So we did another big project and this one was like huge. I had to cast like 30 people wow. and like do all this stuff for Wiley X. And it was a big thing. And like, it went really well. And we, I mean, we literally like found this pilot from Arizona. She like flew up for the day, shot and then <laughs> flew back home. And then I found like, um, this guy who's an arborist and we like went and shot with him. It was like, it just, yeah. it was like, and I think Liam at the time was like, okay, this is really working well. Like Chris is doing the production and the producing side. I'm doing the creative side. Like it's letting him be more creative while I'm taking things off of his plate. Yeah. Um, so we came back together again and he was like, and again, he brought up the idea of starting a studio together. And at that time I knew that flying rhino was sort of going to be dissolving a little bit. Um, so I was more interested uh -huh. and then he was like, Hey, have you seen my website? And I was like, no. So he showed me his website and I was like, Holy cow. Like you're really good at what you do. I didn't realize how good you were. I just really liked you as a person. And hmm. then, um, he like scrolled down his website and I, and he, I was like, stop. And it was like this picture of this like Nike golf sweatshirt that I had seen on Instagram. And I was like, I remember I was on Instagram and I liked the picture so much that I literally bought the sweatshirt. Right, I was like, I clicked it and I bought it. Wow! And I was like, Did you shoot that? He's like, Yeah. And I was like, Okay. 
Damn. If you like that's cool. are that good that you make me pull out my credit card and like buy a sweatshirt, <laughs> like let's do this. So then yeah. I was like, okay, I think I want to do this, but I was like, you know what? I don't ever want to like just jump into something and, and be dumb. So I talked to a lot of people smarter than myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of like prayed about it and I was like, I want to take take my time and really give it, you know, because this is going to be a big deal if I do this. So I yeah. took about six weeks um, to sort of just meditate and think. And I was like, okay, let's think about this. And um, everything just kept lining up. Like everything mm-hmm. just kept, things, good things just kept happening. And it's, I started with him in February and then I ended with Rhino in March. So there's actually like a month overlap, which is yeah. really nice. Um, so yeah, we started in March um, and then we looked for a building for, I think, two or three months. And then in June 1st, we got the keys to our studio space, which we're in now. Yeah. And then we did the build out for three and a half months. And then we opened like middle of August. Nice. Um, and it was just kind of guns blazing ever since then. That's cool. So, yeah, that's like a condensed version of yeah. all that. I don't even remember what the first question was. That you I, don't, I don't know. We're just, just <laughs> going, going back to history. The er, yeah, the history. Earth history early days. Because I kind of give the, the background on when I first started seeing you was at a conference called GU. Yep. And this was, gosh, this was... 10 maybe 10 years ago yeah now? Yeah, yeah long time ago and and i remember because you did all the videos yep. that were playing up there and i remember this one video and i was like that is the coolest video i've ever seen <laughs> and at that, that time that's when i was i was starting to kind of get my hands wet that's at, true at, at our church and so i was yeah. starting to do some video stuff and um i remember shooting on dv tapes you know oh, gosh. eight millimeter oh, tapes kids, like you have no so, clue oh they don't they so don't. lucky and it's and i hate that because now that dates me too i'm like god i feel so old but i mean we never shot on film so we have it good too so right um and so I, I saw those videos i was like i need to find out who that who did that video <laughs> and i need to meet this guy yeah. and then i left and i was just going through um it was facebook because i don't yeah. think instagram was out yet yeah and it was facebook and so that dates you i knew yeah, exactly <laughs> yay <laughs> we're old but um but I, I knew a couple of mutual friends and so yeah. i friended you on facebook yeah and then i just keep watching all your stuff that you keep put, putting out and i was like dude this dude is amazing so mm-hmm. each year i came back to portland i was like i need to meet this guy i need to meet this guy yeah and then I think finally someone introduced us, and I like I froze like when I went and first met you're you. You're such a dork. And, no, I'm like dead serious, dude. Because I was I looked up at you for years oh, in your man. videos, no, and I was just kind. like, oh my gosh, like you've been doing quality, quality, quality work ever since I know you. Because I look at my old stuff, I'm like, dude, that stuff like don't even want to show. But, oh, I like, can show you some bad stuff. Your stuff, <laughs> dude, has been awesome. So it was funny because like the first time I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is Chris, this is the man, this is this is I've been don't listen to him, people trying to you know trying to meet forever and and then it you know it just kind of clicked and then we you know hung on a couple times yeah. when i come back in town and then i moved here for a little while and then we actually got the first time to work together i was like super stoked <laughs> i mean i was like down the bottom of the poem told you like hey man we got like this extra position no, you want to no, come and no. help out i was like yes i'll be there i'm so, pretty sure you were the second shooter weren't you or were you just the pa no i think it was just the pa oh. well, you gotta start somewhere but then, yeah but then the next i think the next yeah, one i was the second one. shooter yeah, that yeah. was fun yeah so we worked on a couple projects together and and always looked at your work and like i remember the one that that dude that still st- st- sits out to me was the um, when you did the It Boys. Oh yeah, yeah. That the uh, music. Yeah, I video. used to direct music videos. That dude, was. That I saw that one and I was like, dude, that was just that was some cool stuff. I was super into. Uh, I still love like punk, screamo, like hardcore. Not hardcore, but like just different music than most people listen to. And so uh-huh. like all my friends were in bands, and so right. I was like, well, they all need music videos, so why don't we do this? And then. Uh, they like called me like, Hey, we got, got this idea for a video. We want to shoot it. 
we've got a bunch of contacts down in LA. Let's just see what happens. And I, it was funny. The first, because we did four of them. The first one I did, um, we, I mean, I, we had a rooftop location for all of the performance shots because it was a it was a two day shoot. Uh-huh. And then of course it rained. The one time it's rained in LA in like Jeez. ten years, and it's right. like pouring down rain. So we had to pull an audible, and we ended up shooting in this like huge garage warehouse where they store all of the lights and stuff like that. And it turned out cool, anyways. But it would have been way better on the rooftop, right? Um, and then the second day we shot all of the like acting, dancing, performance scenes um, for that. And I remember we were shooting in the W Hotel in LA, and we had I don't know, it was a huge, it was a huge hotel room, it was like a suite, but we had probably I don't know, hundred extras, mm-hmm. maybe seventy five, and and then we had all these kids who came from America's Best Dance Crew because we got them to like dance in the video, which was super super fun. Yeah. Um, and my friend Chris Carrado, who is a second AD down in Hollywood. He volunteered to come help on set, which was literally the best thing ever because yeah. he's so much better than I am um, <laughs> and so much more experienced. And, like, I just remember him, his, his role is to place extras into scenes, oh, right? Oh, cool. And it's so funny because we, we, there's, like, this walking scene where, like, the lead singer opens the door and he, like, walks in and he, like, does through it. And it sounds simple. Yeah. But the, the way that he placed everybody and put everybody and had crossings and stuff like that, I was just like, wow, you are so good. Hmm. Like, this is why movies are so good because you have people like you who you, you just you make it look like it's not on purpose, but it totally is, right? Right. Um, and cool. at the end of that whole – I was overwhelmed, I'll be honest. I was way over my head. But, like, <laughs> at the end of the shoot, I remember going out on the balcony because it was a really cool balcony, and I just, like, laid down on this huge chair, and I was like, I need, like, five days off. <laughs> and I'm not one – I'm not a guy to, like, take days off. I was right. just like, I am so, so, like – we had worked so many hours that yeah. that was like three days. Was um, that the biggest project you'd done up until that point? Like, oh yeah. Was that, was that like a big like? Oh my gosh! Just yeah, I mean, I'd never had you. you know up upwards of seventy five extras on a set, and yeah. of course, my AD, my first AD, was on set. He uh, he did pretty good, but I mean, he was overwhelmed too because it's just yeah. like you got one person to control all these people, and like most of them were unpaid, right? right. So they're all drinking, and it's like ugh, it's like hurting cats. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was the, that was probably one of the biggest things I'd done at that. And it was such like, it was like getting fun experiences like that, yeah. that I didn't actually make a lot of money on, but like the, the education was invaluable. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, I hear of kids these days, like want to go to film school and do all these things. And it's like, it's not bad. Everybody that I know that's gone to film school, they say it's a great place to meet people to then get jobs when you graduate. Right. But you don't actually, you can learn it all on the internet for free. Cause that's right. what I did. Mm-hmm. I just learned everything on YouTube or through experiences that i got where i'm like i pretend like i know what i'm doing and i don't i'm the director in air quotes (laughs) um but yeah it was like and you just get more used to it right like even for example as a director on a music video you have to learn how to call the set right so it's like roll camera roll playback and action right it has to be in that order right because otherwise it doesn't work you can't say roll playback roll action because there's usually like a like a click or something that's coming in, especially if we're starting on the beginning of the song. Yeah. There's just like little things like that. Even how to work with extras, like the next It Boys music video we did, we actually shot this massive nightclub and we brought on like semi-famous people. Like, so there was this guy named Jeffree Star who's like a huge makeup celebrity and does mm-hmm. music. And then there was this other famous dancer from um, some huge dancing show on ABC, Dancing with the Stars. Okay. Um, and like... I get the second the second AD comes up to me and he's like, "Hey, so Lacey doesn't want to dance and she's upset because she's listening to her voice on the track and it doesn't sound like her." And I'm like, 
oh my gosh and she's doing like the dumbest like background vocal thing it's like she's there to dance not to sing right Right. so then i have to go walk over to her Her bags are packed she's sitting down she's pouting right she's a big celebrity and so i have to like (laughs) talk her off the roof yeah and basically the solution was i had to have someone drive 45 minutes to the studio export the track acoustically with just her voice bring it back and then show her that it's her voice no to way. get her to be in the scene, which we are we're paying her to do this thing, right? Right. And so I'm like, I don't have time to deal with this. This huh. is like ridiculous, you know. Like we're on set. There's like 200 people here, and I've got to like get this thing moving, right. you know. And we only had a certain amount of time in the space. Yeah. So it was just it's just things like that that you can't teach someone in a classroom. Like, right. how do you deal with this like C list C list celebrity who's like being a big baby about it because her voice <laughs> doesn't sound accurate? Right. And like. How do you keep your cool and talk her down and like, you know what I mean? And not get upset about it. Right. Like you can't, you know what I mean? And then I have like, I mean, I'll be totally transparent. I had Jeffree Star like, so he was trying to like mess with me all day. And that was, he thought he was hilarious. And I was like, Jeffree, I need you to stop bugging me. I have things I need to do. And he just thought it was hilarious. (laughs) So it's just like, you're just dealing with all these chaos and all these attitudes and people. And then like on that shoot, my first AD like got high and like left. Oh, I was like, okay, like that sucks. <laughs> um, so I'm just like playing the role of two people basically. Dang. Um, and we were shooting the performance scenes and all the acting scenes at the same time, like the same night, because we only had we could only get get there for one night. I mean, the cool part was we got the location for free, cool. and it cost a hundred thousand dollars to rent it. Jeez. Um. So you do it. You when you get something for free for that right. price, you do what you can. You yep. know. Um. So yeah, I just had tons of weird experiences like that over the years. Um. And it all boils down to like, you just production. There's no A plus B equals C in production, right? Yeah. It's always A plus B equals FZQ minus four. You right. know, it's like, what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. Like until you're on set, you you just don't. So yeah, you know, if anybody wants like a snippet, I would say like try to get on set as much as possible, mm-hmm. um, and just be a fly on the wall. Yeah, right. Like go for free. Like we had two people come who were like, they want to be actors or work in production. And I was like, you guys can come to the studio. Like, I'm not going to pay you because I don't have the money. But like, right. like we want to volunteer. We just want to like be around and be PAs and like whatever we can do. Just we want to come help out. And I'm like, those are the people that are going to get far in life. Right. Mm-hmm. Because in the short term, they're going to make less money. But in the long term, they're going to be more valuable. And they're going to end up making more money. Totally. And so I think um, it boils down to hard work, man. Yeah. Production's a hard game. Mm-hmm. And it's like either you're made out for it or you're not. Right. So it's real quick. If someone's not a hard worker, I'm not going to bring it back. Oh, yeah. It's just that simple. Totally. Yeah, I remember you had me on one shoot when I was over here. And it was the um, – we had like five cameras going. And we're, we're filming a couple. I can't remember what the project was oh, for. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so – and you called me like, hey, I just – I need a guy to help the grip the grip crew. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like the bottom of the totem pole. And I was like, yeah, dude, whatever. Yeah. You know, like, so I showed up and uh, I remember asking one of the, the grip guys, he said, Hey, go grab that dirt. And I'm like, what's, <laughs> I remember what's, that. what's the dirt? What's man? the dirt, man? And I'm like, where, where do you find this stuff? Yeah. At? He's I like, got some dirt outside. Sandbag. And I'm sandbag. like, oh, okay. Yep. Like a ton of that stuff. I had no idea, but I was yeah. just like, I showed up early. I was there. Yep. I was waiting. Yep. And I said, tell me to do everything. And I'll, I'll tell you if I don't know yep. it. Yep. But, like, if you point it out and tell me, and there, I mean, it happened like every 10 minutes. He's like, hey, grab this. And I'm like, yeah, let me get a C47. What is a C47? Well, it's a paper clip, or it's a, it's a, it's a clothespin. Yeah. It's a clothespin, but we call it C47s. And you're like, ah, okay. Yep. Uh huh. Let me get a stinger. Yeah. What's a stinger? It's an extension cord. Grab a knuckle. I'm like, well, what's what's a knuckle? You know? Yeah. 
but that's that's true because that's and that's how i've always you know done things and that's how my dad taught me it was mm-hmm. like you show up if you don't know how to do it you ask, ask yeah but you work your butt off you know you show up on time you leave later than everybody else and you just work as hard as you can and it, whenever you can yeah it's funny you say like ask because i remember my first like two weeks at rhino um i got a project from our creative director and he was like hey um i need you to help me with this thing and i was like cool he's like let's meet at 10 so we meet up and he's like, okay, he went through the whole thing. He's like, okay, I need you to make an animatic and then bring it back to me on Friday and like we'll go over it. I was like, sounds good. You got it, dude. And I was like, I don't know what the heck an animatic is. Like, <laughs> I have no clue. Right. And I was like freaking out and I was sweating. And like, I remember, I think I Googled it and like it still didn't make fully sense. And then like I asked one of our like side animators and he just like laughed at me. And he was like, hey, young buck, let me explain to you something. Because he kind of talks like that. He's sort of mean. Uh-huh. He was like, you're not special. And I was like, uh, thanks. He's like, no, what I mean is, is you're not special. Like, everyone has the same problems, and they're all solvable by a place called Google. So just figure it out. He goes, if you have something broken on your computer or your phone or something's weird, go on Google because somebody has blogged it, they've vlogged yep. it, they've written about it, and they have pictures of it. Yep. And so, like, to that day, I just was like, okay, I'm going to learn everything I can on the Internet because it's free. Yeah. So it's like kids want to complain about college is expensive and all these types of things. like, I paid for my own college. Like I went to community college because mm-hmm. it was cheaper. And then um, after that, I went to PSU, which is a state school, which is also affordable. And I was just like, everything else I'm just going to learn online. Yeah. You know? And it mm-hmm. was just like. Yeah. No, that's awesome. It's like, it's funny because now I, where did I, I heard it on some, I think it was on a video on, on uh, YouTube that it's nowadays you don't go and ask you know because before you like you go and ask somebody like hey how do you do this how do you do this now it's like all that's gone Mm -hmm. and everybody has a phone now everybody's got an iphone you can literally like hey i want to learn xyz yeah and you can literally just pull it up on your phone and spend two hours and learn it right there from youtube from just like you said vlogs whatever and it's easy to do now and 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 it sucks because like back in the day like when i first started I was always trying to find, um, you know, learn how to stuff. So I was asking everybody that yeah, yeah. new video, like Trevin, you know, Trevin Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually is the one that taught me how to run Final Cut. Oh, nice. And it was like Final Cut 3, I think, 3 or 4. You, gross. And, uh, and he, I mean, he knew, like, sure. just a few small things, but that there was only people that, that you know, stuff like YouTube didn't have all the videos on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the yep. things. So it's yep. like, nowadays it's so a lot more resources. easy, you know, to learn learn everything and yeah all the lingo and you know especially in the production world how to edit how to animate how to do this how to do this and so it's pretty crazy what was a what was like a big um turning point for you because i know you'd done all the production mm-hmm. you know from start to finish earlier on oh sure and then once you kind of got it into like kind of with the it boys like a big a big turning point for you in that you know kind of changing to the director side, not as much as the filming side. Yeah, I think once I realized how bad I was as a DP <laughs> and a gaffer and a grip and all those things, um, I I really enjoyed the producing side, the directing side, and the post side. Hmm. Um, but, like, I just, I, I'm just not, I wasn't geeking out about lenses and bodies and yeah. lighting and all that kind of stuff. I, did, I didn't really have a passion for it, so I think I, dis- I, think I discovered that more as I shot with, my friend Brandon Daniel and his brother was the AC and I was like, man, these guys, like he's just running the steady cam so well. And I'm like, I can't even imagine how bad I would be, you know? Right. So like I tried to run it one day and it was like an absolute nightmare. And I was like, okay, I'm not touching the camera anymore. I'm, I'm over this. Right. So I think I realized through my experiences that, um, what I was passionate about and what I had a drive to do. Hmm. 
um, and how good other people are at some things, right? Yeah. It's like you can't be everything to everyone. Right. So pick a lane and 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 drive fast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was for me. Once I started to see how good other people were and how bad I was, I just like slowly kept stepping away from it more and more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How was that? Because obviously, that's that's a big deal. But b- even before that. You know, you do everything, you know, like for me, like mm-hmm. I, I taught myself how to edit, yep. taught myself how to shoot, yep. you know, you teach yourself how to do everything. Where's, where do you think that point is as far as switching to just staying in one lane mm. and doing that one thing? Cause I feel like a lot of people want to do everything. Yeah. But then I feel like a lot of people just want to do one thing, but they're not good at that one thing. Yeah. You know, everybody I mean, wants to direct. They're like, oh, that's like the, the thing. Yeah. People, but then yeah, they people are like, I'm a director. And I'm yeah. like, what does that even mean? Do you, yeah. know, do you know what you're talking about? Right. Um, I think it's really good uh, to do everything at some point, mm-hmm. usually in the beginning, right? Right. Because you realize, so like, for example, me as a producer, I know what a gaffer does. Mm-hmm. And I know essentially what a gaffer's general rate's going to be. Yeah. So when I'm going through and making the production for everybody, I got to know all those things. And I and it's like nobody can like say something to me like, "Oh, grab me a C47." Like, bro, I know what that means. You know what I mean? It's like you can't you can't like trick me. Right. So I think because I've 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 done everything to a certain degree, um and again, like small degree, it, yeah. it helps me be a better producer. So I think I would boil it down to what I call the outliers method. So at some point you got to get your 10,000 hours. Yep. Um and it's like if you if you want to make a living like telling stories and being creative and doing these things, you have to be really good mm-hmm. and you have to get ten thousand hours so if you're doing the job if you're doing five jobs right, then what's happening is you're taking that ten thousand hours and you're dividing it by five so right. you're getting less good less quickly, so that's not proper English that's, that's it right. is what it is yeah. homeschool it's good so yeah hey I there you go I understand Shout it. Out to the homeschoolers <laughs> hey um and so it's like okay well i'm just gonna be a producer and i'm just gonna get really good right it's like if you did nothing but shoot free throws your entire life you'd probably be a lot better at shooting free throws than shooting three-pointers right yeah so it's the same thing it's like i'm just gonna produce and get as good as i can at being a producer I'm not, I don't care about being DP anymore. I don't care about being gaffer. I don't care about any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I just want to be the best producer I can possibly be. Yeah. So I think at some point I was like, well, if I really want to make a living and make money at this, I got to get really good at it because mm-hmm. no one's going to pay you to do something that you're not good at. Right. Right. That's called school. Preach. And you, Preach. yeah, that's called school <laughs> and you pay to learn, not right. the other way around. I don't pay you to learn. Yep. Um, so I think at some point you just got to decide, like, what are you going to do and just go for it? I don't think that, I don't think it's a bad idea, though, to, to try out everything and see what you like. Yeah. Right. Because I really realized I, I didn't like being DP. Yeah. You know, I was like, I don't need to touch the camera. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think at some point you got to make a decision. That's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the um, as far as turning into now? Because now that's all you do. You yeah. know, you produce. Yeah. You, is it producing and directing? Is that kind of ma- yeah, name? yeah. There's definitely on like the athletic ones. Yeah. Um. I uh. I started. Um. I'll uh. I'll I'll be directing those. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, and then um, and then uh. Yeah, I love directing though. So yeah. th- like only when I'm super passionate about it. Like right. for example, we just did this Nike spot. Um, and it was a narrative spot that was a mockumentary about this big shoe that they're making or whatever and i was like wow a narrative comedy that we're going to be working with athletes who aren't actors i am not going to direct this so i called nice. my friend katie o'grady um and she teaches children and adult actors yeah 
who aren't actors to act, right? And she's super funny, and she's been on tons of like movies and TV shows and Portlandia shows and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I, w- so you just you gotta you gotta know your limits. Yeah. So if it's something you're not comfortable with, just pay someone else to do it, make less money, and it's gonna be awesome. Cool. So nice. That's awesome. What's the uh, as far as l- looking to or speaking to people that are kind of jumping into the whole creative realm, you mm-hmm. know, as far as the video side and yeah. business side, what's kind of something that you can tell them that you've learned from your experience of going through, you know, doing everything. And then basically you've lived the creative dream, you know, because if you <laughs> oh. look at it, it's like where you, you know, where you've been, yeah, yeah. what you all you went through yeah. projects you're doing. And then now, you know, you shoot stuff for Nike. Like that's, that's like an end goal for most anybody, sure, you know? Sure. So what's that? What can you, can you, give that to someone that's like just starting the kind of that needs to look for for farther than yeah you know just I, a year down the road yeah i'll try to make a list so number one i would say um hard work will beat most things yeah so if you're willing to outwork someone um you're usually going to win in the long run number two um you have to learn communication i think the biggest uh thing that I see in most creatives is they're really bad at communication. They're bad at having the hard conversations. They're bad at having the money conversations. Um, they're bad at keeping things black and white from a business creative perspective. Um, so yeah, communication. Like We get a lot of jobs because I will answer an email in less than four minutes. Mm-hmm. And I've lost a job because I didn't answer in less than 20 minutes. Right. They're like, oh, we found someone else. right? And that's an extreme scenario. That was, right. a, that was a Nike job, by the way. Um, but, uh, yeah, communication, that would be the second one. The third one I would say is like meet as many people who are doing what you want to be doing in 10 years. Mm. Right. So go meet the Josiah Nesses, go meet the Chris Carey's like, and and just, and just pick their brain. Right. Go buy them lunch, buy them coffee, do whatever you can get on set as much as you can. Right. Like go get as much experience as you can and and whether it's paid or unpaid it shouldn't matter yeah because you have to look at that as an investment yeah like it's so funny my uh my niece just finished high school and she's like oh i want to be a graphic designer and i was like that's cool you know what i would do if i had to do it all over again i would go to an agency fresh out of high school and i would say hey i'm gonna work for you for free for two years and i'm gonna work 60 hours a week can i do that i'll do anything you want me to do i'll take out the garbage i'll buy you coffee i don't even care if someone came to me like that and they actually did work for two years for free, I would hire them in an instant at the end of that two years right. because they would have so many skills, life lessons, and a work ethic that I can speak to and be a part of. Yep. And then you're 20 and you're working full-time in an agency. Right. Dream job. <laughs> Sky's the limit. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, hard work, communication, and uh, mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with three. <laughs> but yeah, because three three is the magic number, um, d- yeah, and like don't be afraid to to talk to as many people as you can. Yeah. Um, and then the other one I would say is like learn the business side of it. I think that's the biggest crutch for most creatives is like they're super creative, but they don't know how to actually make money at it. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's where I have a big passion for because I'm just not super creative, so I'm actually more worried about the money all the time. Right. Um, so, you know, I want to teach people how to budget, how to make a production budget, right? Like, let's say the client has like a $15,000 budget. Well, what's the margin you want to make? Right. And how do you make it? And like, there's ways to make more or less. And sometimes you make more, but it's like, okay, are you going to do the pre-production and the editing? Cause like 
yeah, you're making bigger margin and more money's going to you, but it is more hours. Yeah. So it's like it just depends. Right. So like learn or find a business partner that can do the business side and then you do the creative. I think I think playing to our strengths, right? Totally. Because like if you hate Excel, then you're just you're never gonna be successful as a business person. Right. You have to either learn to love it to some degree and not just Excel, but just like numbers and spreadsheets and production mm-hmm. budgets and all those sorts of things. Yeah. Um and go find as many people as you can that have templates built or things like don't recreate the wheel. You yeah. know, somebody's already made it. Totally. So just let them do it for you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, I know we gotta wrap up, but yeah. uh work playing off your strengths, especially, you know, once you've gone through years of learning all those different things, you know, being on set and playing to the strengths. I know me and my brother have done that. Mm-hmm. Like there's certain stuff that he does really, really well and he does that and he knows that I'm not gonna touch it because I d- just it just don't doesn't work for me, and then vice versa. There's stuff that I do really really well, and he's not even touched because he knows that I can do it better, and yeah. I know that he can do it better, and I, and it makes everything gels together way better. You know, obviously that wasn't very good grammar either, but um, mm. it seems like a lot of the same thing. You know, with you and Liam, as far as yeah. strengths working off those things, because I know we talked about you know before oh, jumping on the podcast. Let me give you a last tidbit that's really really smart. It kind of it it's under number two category, which is communication. So when Liam and I started, everything we wrote down was on paper. Cool. Right? So like Chris's roles and responsibilities are X. Liam's roles and responsibilities are X. Mm -hmm. Here is the contract of the company. You have to have an X. What if somebody wants to leave? What's the exit strategy, right? Like how much percentage? When are you getting paid? How much are you getting paid? Exactly when it will be paid out. Like put everything on paper before anything. Because when, when there's no money, it's really to be free but when actual money comes in then you can argue about stuff and yep. we haven't had any of these problems because i've i've we did put it down on paper but i've been part of um partnerships and companies and different things where like i mean you people lo- best friends literally don't talk to each other anymore right you know what i mean yep. so it's like everything make it black and white super simple like i'm talking one page right mm-hmm. here's the 20 things chris is going to do that i expect him to do then if there's an argument you go back to that yeah. right yep. so i don't even want to call it a contract it's just Put it on paper. Yeah. Like that is, that is, that is the, if you don't do that, you're going to run into troubles. Yeah, totally. No, dude, that's put it good. on paper. Put it on paper. If you guys get nothing that's else, put it on paper. <laughs> well, sweet man. I know we got to wrap up, but I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Of course. Love having you. Love hanging out with you. Yeah. Glad we got to make this work and um, we'll definitely get you on the podcast again because we right. could keep going for hours. All right, man. I appreciate <laughs> so, it. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you're able to glean some valuable insights from this episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and let us know what you thought and your feedback. We would love to hear from you. If you want to find out more, visit silverlinefilm.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook under Silverline Films. And we look forward to seeing you next week on Silverline Behind the Frame.